0: that i was really touched by that thank you etc seriously it's been a privilege to be here for a year i definitely hope to be here another year or twenty. i don't know we will see what god wants to do uh let's open up to matthew 25 and while you do that i'm going to open up in prayer more prayer Father, we thank you that you're awesome. We thank you for your word, which is so helpful for us in knowing who you are and how to relate to you and how to build our relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to us, that you taught us so much. Pray that you would help us to be more mindful of your teaching and. Learn how to apply your truth to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is sort of part two of a message I gave a month ago, which is bizarre. But what isn't bizarre around here, right? Um, yeah, so what did Jesus teach on more than anything else? Do you remember? Money. Surprise, surprise. Jesus taught on money more than anything else. Why? No. That is true. And I think that is one of the reasons he talked about it. Jesus often talked about things that people cared about. Right? And money is something that matters to just about everybody. So that's one of the reasons he talked about it. And I think the, the other reason he talked about it, the main reason, was that God likes to use money as a way to test us in our discipleship and how we're following God and how we're obeying him. And most people, I think Jesus included, would say that in a lot of ways, money is really the first big discipleship test in our lives. And I think the first century church and the church after that understood that a lot better than we do. These days you don't hear a lot of churches talk about money nearly as much as they should. Jesus talked about it more than prayer, more than like the kingdom of God, more than heaven, more than anything else. He talked about money. And we don't talk about it that much because people find it uncomfortable. People are like, oh, you're just trying to get my money. Or they're like, man, God exists here in this church place and my money is over here. And those two things are separate. So, like, leave my stuff alone, you know? Which, does that sound like discipleship to you? Right? I mean, Jesus paid a price on the cross so that we would be his. We died, and he rose us to life. Now, when you die, can you take your stuff with you? No. Everybody knows that. You can't take it with you when you die. You're already dead. So, your stuff belongs to God. And if you belong to God, all your stuff belongs to God. Your computer, your car, or lack of car, your money, your, your spouse, your favorite stuff, whatever it is, everything we have belongs to God. And I think the first big discipleship test, which we talked about last time, is in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is where Jesus is like, don't worry about stuff. Remember that? Don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Yeah, you got something? Yes. Yeah, and, and and Sarah did share about that a little bit last time. She went, she spoke. Um, Jesus says, Don't worry about what you're gonna eat, don't worry about what you're gonna wear, don't worry about tomorrow, don't worry about this stuff. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Okay? Now that's easier said than done, isn't it? Don't worry. Well, yeah, but I ain't got no job. And I need to pay bills. Like, come on, Jesus, give me a break here. Don't worry. You tell me I actually don't have to worry? about how I'm going to pay bills and how I'm going to pay tuition and how I'm going to eat and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is like, yes, that's precisely what I said like a whole bunch of times. Matthew 6 is one of the better places, but it's all over the place in here. You actually don't have to worry about any of that material stuff. So I think that's the first big money test is trusting that God will provide for you. We trust him. He will provide for us. Jesus says... I will give you what you need to eat, what you need to wear. I'll give you all that stuff. And then he talks about how, look, if, if God dresses the, the grass of the field like beautiful flowers, there are some out there, and they're beautiful flowers today, and tomorrow they die and you just toss them in the fire because you don't care. If he spends that much time making them look great, how much more time is he going to spend making you look great? You're his kid, right? You're not a slave trying to get scraps off the master's table. You're a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. You're not a princess. But serious. And so we need, to, we need to see ourselves how God sees us. We can trust him. And that's the first big discipleship test, is learning how to trust God with our money. And that's tough. And I'm not saying you, you, we have a test once, we pass it and we're done, and we trust forever. It takes time. It takes multiple tests. Because with everything in the spirit, there are levels. And we, like, we pass one level... And then God's like, all right, now you're at a new level. You're at a new level of understanding, a new level of blessing. The blessings were all already yours, because everything's already yours in Christ, because you were put in Christ on the cross, right? Okay? So all the blessings are already yours, but you can't necessarily access them all yet, because you're in the way. Does that make sense? All the blessings are already yours. It's, it's more of a matter of aligning yourself in God's will and in who he is. Uh, like the air conditioner, okay? Right now, it's blowing big time on me because I'm in alignment with the air conditioner. Now, if I move over here part way, I can still feel it a tiny, tiny bit, but it's not that strong. The air conditioner doesn't stop blowing. Okay? God's blessings don't stop. His love doesn't stop. None of that stuff stops. It's always yours. But if you're stepped out, you're not going to experience it to the degree that He wants you to. With me? And so most of spirituality is humility. It's about getting ourselves in alignment with the Lord and with what he wants us to do. And that's what stewardship is about when it comes to spending our money. He wants to bless you. All that kind of stuff is already yours. But we align ourselves through obedience and humility to the Lord in stewardship and in how he wants us uh, to spend our money. And for me, that really takes the pressure off of stuff because when we realize that everything belongs to God, we don't have to worry about it. My car broke down. It's God's car. God can handle this car. He knows his business, right? He'll give me a new car. He'll miraculously fix it. He'll give me the money to pay for it. He'll let me walk, because maybe that's better for me. Whatever it is, God will take care of us. He always, always does. Um, and he taught Sarah and I this over a long period of years, and I'll talk more about that later. but. When we first got married, we were, we were what you call poor. Like, We made about $6,000 a year together. Um, we were still in, in undergrad college and uh, living off loans and all that kind of stuff. And so we had to trust God literally month to month to have enough money to like buy the generic mac and cheese and the generic tuna. And if you've ever had generic tuna, don't eat it because it's really bad. Um, But we learned to live month to month, sometimes week to week, trusting that God would provide. And food would show up on our doorstep. Like, literally, you open the door, there's a bag of food. Who put it there? I don't know who put it there. Somebody from church? My mom drove down to Northfield? (laughs) I don't know. Could be. (laughs) Um, God took care of us, though, all the time, no matter what. And we learned to trust him for our stuff. And I'm to the point now, many years later, where I don't worry about money. Like, I do not worry about money at all, ever. I don't, I don't remember the last time I, well, I do remember the last time I worried about money, which is when we sold our house. We owned a house in Dayton, Ohio, before we went to Japan. And it, we bought right before the market crashed. And so we lost, well, all of our money. In order to sell the house, we had to pay all of our money because we lost so much on the house. So we were broke. We had nothing left after buying a house. And now we have two kids and all this kind of stuff. And that's not the trajectory you're aiming for in life, right? Um, and so that was the last time I worried about money. And it didn't last long. Because even though that was really difficult and a hard test, like God has proven to us over and over again that he will take care of us, no matter what. God will always take care of you. You don't have to convince your dad to take care of you. Think about a little baby. Does a little baby have to convince their parents to please feed them? No. They're going to get fed. They're going to get changed. They're going to get loved. They're going to get held. Because that's what you do to a little baby. They don't have to do anything to earn that. OK, I won't belabor that. So it takes the pressure off to think about the fact that everything we have is God's. And God's going to take care of us in our life. So if we have a bill that we don't know how to pay, it's OK. God's going to figure out a way. If we have, don't have a job and we really need one, we trust that God has that. God will figure out a way to get you a job. You should still apply, like everywhere, and do a good job at the interviews and wear a nice shirt and like you should like, be smart, right? And do all of that kind of stuff. Give God as many chances as possible and be faithful. Um, but He's going to take care of it. And so we don't have to worry about that. Um, I think far too few. Christians pass this most basic type of money test. Most Christians worry about money all the time. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I just think it's a fact. Most Christians I talk to, what's going on? Oh, well, we really need prayer because of this, 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 all this money stuff. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ask for prayer for it or you shouldn't pray for it. But I'm saying, okay, like, one of the most basic principles Jesus teaches is actually don't worry about that. Like, just don't worry about it. Um, But it does take time. It takes passing test after test. And eventually, all of you can get to the place where you don't worry about money. Like when I say I don't worry about money, I'm not saying because I'm awesome. I'm saying because God has proven himself awesome to me so many times that if a money problem comes up, I'm like, well, how could I even think about worrying about that? To worry about that would be a stupid waste of my time because God's going to come through. And I'm actually in a money test right now. Kat sort of mentioned it. Um. I left my paying pastoral job that had, like, a salary, which is what you like to see when you have, like, a job. And then I, I came here where there's, there's a tiny bit of money, um, but you all make more than me, okay? Um, and I'm, Don't give me any woes me or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, nor am I trying to convince you to give money or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the face step that I'm in. This is the money test that I'm in. God's like, I want you to leave here and go there, even though there's no money. And I didn't even think about it. I was like, sweet. And that's not because I have so much faith that I can move a mountain. It's because God has shown over and over and over again that if something requires a step of faith, there is something awesome on the other side after you get there, and that the bigger step of faith that's required, the better the reward is going to be. And so the fact that coming here required me to give up my salary and had a big step of faith was actually a really good sign to me that this is what God wanted me to do. Because it meant that awesome stuff was going to happen here for me, for my family, for all of you. And I realize that sounds totally backwards to like what you would think, but that's what Jesus is talking about here. And my wife's not here, but I have to talk her up anyway. Uh, very few spouses would be cool with their spouse saying, so babe, Uh, I feel like God wants me to quit and do this other job. Sweet. Yeah, here's the thing. There's no money. Okay, what do you mean? I mean, right now I'm getting a paycheck, and then I won't. Awesome. If that's what God wants you to do, then let's do that. Like, nobody does that. So my wife is fantastic. I just have to say that. Like, who does that? When their spouse says, because God didn't talk to her. He talked to me. So she has to not only trust in God, but trust in me that I'm not insane. And she knows me well enough to know that that's a possibility. Because it's happened. I occasionally am crazy. And she would laugh at that. I'm usually crazy. But like she's like, okay, I trust you, and I trust God, and it, it's, it'll be okay. And that would be really, really hard for most people, and my wife's amazing, so I have to talk her up, even though she's not around. Um, so... I made this big step, and that's a faith step, right? And it's a money test. And it's been a year now, as of this week, as of today, it was like first Thursday in August that I officially started here, and uh, it hasn't changed yet after a year, which is a really long money test. Don't freak out. That's longer than usual. (laughs) Most most tests are a little shorter than this. Um, But I've graduated to a certain level now, and so the tests are harder, right? your 12th grade science tests are going to be a lot harder than my son's third grade science tests because you're way older and way smarter and you know a lot more. And so the, the further you go in any certain area, the more God's already done, the, the bigger the test, the harder it's going to be. Um, and then God made the test even harder right before the new year when he said, and I want you to increase your giving as well. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't do the first part like, yet you want me to increase my giving now even though I still don't have the money? And he's like, yeah, I do want you to do that. And I went, Jesus. He does that sometimes. And he's awesome. And he doesn't do it because he's mean. He's not torturing me. Okay? He does it because he's like, this is going to be so awesome. It's going to be tough, but it's going to be so awesome when you do it. And he loves me enough that he wants me to get the awesome stuff, so he puts me through the tests. And he does it with all of us. There's probably nobody here who hasn't had a money test at some point, or at least sees one coming up in the future. Tuition, rent, car, all this kind of stuff that you eventually are going to have to pay for if you're not already. And there's a lot of room for worry there, and Jesus is like, just don't do it. Um, So stewardship frees us from having to worry about money. And eventually you'll get there. If you really humble yourself and try to follow the Lord in this stuff, you will all get to the place, if you're not there already, some of you probably are, where you're like, yeah, I do not worry about money. Even when you get that huge bill in the mail and you're like, how many zeros is on that? Whatever. We took, we took Annabella, our baby, into the doctor. And yes, it was a specialist at Children's Hospital, but still, uh, the bill came in and it was like 1280 bucks. I was not expecting. That kind of a bill. And I was just like, hey, Jesus, that's, that's a big bill. This isn't a check. This is a bill. But it'll be fine. It's all your money. It's all his money, so who cares? Everything I have is God's. All the money in the bank is God's. All the money that I'll ever get is God's. And so who cares how he wants to spend it? That's his business, not mine. And that's how he tests us. Because we have a hard time hanging on to this stuff. We say, this is mine. This is our stuff. But it's actually God's stuff anyway. Anybody have any questions on that? do worry about money thing? Any questions? Sorry, I can't hear with the air. Control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was that tough? Yep. Sometimes tough things happen. Yep. hmm yep. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a test, too, for you and for your family um, to trust God, despite the fact that crap is going on. And Jesus says this all the time. Hey, crap happens. You can't stop that. You can't stop bad things from happening in the world. But you can stop yourself from worrying about it when it happens. And you can just trust God regardless of what's going on, which is the big thing. Okay. um, So stewardship frees us from worry about money. Stewardship also frees us to live generously. Um, One of my favorite verses, I want to get it sewn into my wallet is Luke 16, verse 9, and we're, we'll actually look at that passage in a little bit. But Luke 16, 9 says this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. So that when it's gone, meaning the money, you will have invested towards eternal life. So Jesus is saying friends are an an internal investment. Being generous with your friends and with your family is like sticking it in the bank for heaven. Now we all think, yes, if I give to World Vision or if I give to this missionary, yes, I'm investing in the kingdom of God. And that's true. That's for sure true. But your friends are another way that you can invest in the kingdom of God. And God wants you to do it. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. That's one of the purposes of money. Isn't that weird? Uh, One of my mentors in college taught me that verse, and I'm like, it can't mean that, though. It can't mean that I can use my money to gain friends. That's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. And he's like, I don't know. What do you read? Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Well, it sort of just says that. And it even says why. So that when it's gone, and when's your money gone? When you're dead because you can't take it with you. Eventually your money will be gone, because you're a deed! Okay? And then, all the money that you had spent on all those friends, and living generously, and being kind to other people, you'll reap eternal benefits from that. It's like paying it forward. Um, Which is a really fun idea. I love the idea that God considers it, investing in the kingdom of God, to spoil your friends. And did you actually know that in the Old Testament... Um, We talked a little bit about tithing last time. I'm not going to talk about it tonight, but um, in the Old Testament, you're supposed to give the first 10% to God, right? Um, But it wasn't every year the same. Some years it went to, most years it went to the temple. It it was to pay for the priests because they weren't allowed to own land. So they couldn't raise their own goats and make their own wine and all that. So that 10% went to take care of the priests so they did the priestly stuff. Um, But other times, the money went other places. And one year, I think it was one year out of every seven, you were supposed to spend your tithe on parties for your neighbors. That is not a joke. Your tithe, the money you give to God, was to throw a giant party for all your family and friends. To celebrate what God has done in your life, to celebrate them, to celebrate how awesome God is, and to have a giant party with a bunch of wine and a bunch of meat, and they probably roasted a whole cow or whatever, right? Right? That is cool, and that is how God works. Because fellowship is that important to him. Friends are that important to him. You being nice to your family and being nice to other Christians and non-Christians is important to God, and he wants you to be generous. And so what are some things you can do? Well, you can buy a bunch of awesome meat and have a barbecue and invite your neighbors over, for example. When going out to eat with your friends, you could pick up the check. And this is one that I learned from a friend of mine in college who was a little older than me. And I saw him do it once, and I'm like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Because he paid for the bill for, like, 12 people. So, we're like, over 100 bucks. Like, a lot of money. Especially at that point when I had, like, this much money. Um, I was making six and a quarter an hour in my student job. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm super old. Uh, so, I, afterwards, like, I, I thought about it for, like, a, a couple of days, and then I just had to ask him about it. Because if I had seen anybody else do that, I would have thought they were being cocky check it out, I'm rich, pay for the table, you know, bottle service, and, but I knew him, and I knew he wasn't like that, he was a humble guy. and So I'm like, I gotta ask, man, what was with that? And he's just like, I'm just being generous. God's blessed me, I wanna bless other people. I love my friends, and I wanted to pay for their food. And God thought it was a good idea, so I did it. And I'm like, I feel like that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I started doing it. And Sarah and I have done this probably a hundred times now. And sometimes you've got to get really sneaky. Because um, so, sometimes you'll be in a group where everybody's like really Christian, right? And they'll be like, oh, no, 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 oh, I'm going to pay for everybody. I'm going to pay for everybody. You know, I got a word that I was supposed to pray for it, pay for. It. And, and, and so what I do is like sometime in the, usually in the middle of the meal, hi excuse myself, sneak out, and go, up to the, go over to the server and give her my credit card and say, I'm paying for the table, so don't bring the bill. Um, and so then it's like the early bird gets the check. And so um, there, have been, there have been multiple times where people have called me like the next day. Like this one guy was like, I think I stole the food last night because I don't remember paying and she doesn't remember paying and we thought the other one paid and like, ah, I'm a thief. And I'm like, no, somebody paid for the whole table. What? Yeah, isn't that cool? Somebody paid for the whole table. And they're like, weird, but OK. You sure? Yep, OK. Did they tip? Yes, OK. Um, Christians that don't tip. OK. No, I won't smack them. Well, I will. God won't. He'll forgive. Um, but, uh, and so I've done that before. And it's super fun. It is awesome. We're going to read a verse in a minute where after people live a life of stewardship, Jesus says, enter into the joy of your master. And living a life of stewardship is joyful. It's fun to do this kind of stuff. If, I, if I'm on Amazon and I run across something and I'm like, oh, so and so would love this, I'll just buy it and ship it straight to their house. Provided it's like reasonably inexpensive. Right? And so like, my, my brother called me and he's like, I got something from Amazon. I think you sent it to my address by mistake. And I'm like, nope, that's for you, bro. Love ya. And he's like, Grr. And again, I'm not trying to be the hero of my own sermon here. I'm just saying this is the stuff God has taught me and what God has shown me over the years to not be selfish. Have you ever Have you ever Actually, yeah, yeah, I felt kind of awkward. <laughs> it was when I was like your age, and I was like, now it's awkward. You're welcome. Don't cry. Are you okay? But, like, nobody had ever done anything that for her. She wasn't a Christian. Nobody had ever done anything like that for her. And so she's like, I don't understand. Are you trying to sleep with me? What is the deal? There's got to be a catch. There's got to be a catch. And my friends and I were talking. And we're like, no, no, no. This is just what you do when you're a Christian. You stick, you're nice to people, you're kind, you show the love of God. God wants you to eat a burger tonight. And that's just what happened. And then she just started to cry. She's like, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Because she hadn't grown up in the kind of house where people were kind to each other. She grew up in the kind of house where people tore each other down all the time. And you have to live kind of like this, you know, with your dukes up, ready to defend yourself. And so kindness just cut her to the bone. And that's why the Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance. It's not about finding someone on the street and saying, you're a filthy sinner, give your life to Jesus doesn't work. What works is kindness. Kindness. Love. Showing people who Jesus actually is and what he's actually like. So that they're like, if that's what Jesus is like, I'm actually in. That sounds sweet. That's different than the Jesus I've heard about. But I like yours better. So like, his kindness leaves us through pets. Okay, I'm getting off topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, when KTIS started doing the drive through difference, oh. you've probably all heard about that. I was like, they took my thing. Like, not in a bad way, but in a, I should have copyrighted it. Um, but yeah, uh, started doing it at Starbucks. I'm paying for the guy behind me. Or the problem is, like, it depends on why you do it, okay? Because it's possible to do this stuff for selfish reasons. I want someone to say, oh, you're the best, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I am the best. Yeah. You're right. I bet you a 4 coffee. I'm, I love Jesus. Um, and there was a season in my life early on where see I'm prone to I'm prone to selfishness, most of them, sorry, but I definitely am, and arrogance, like I really am all that, and everyone else should agree with me that I am all that. Um, and I'm prone to those things. And so when God first started showing me about this kind of stuff, um, he made me do it all in secret and anonymously, and so like. This isn't about money, but he had me go to the, the dorm uh, kitchen, which if you've ever been in a dorm kitchen, leave because it's disgusting and horrible because no one cleans that, ever. And so he would have me go in the middle of the night and spend like two hours cleaning the dorm kitchen. I did this like three times. I did it in the middle of the night so no one saw me. And I went and did this, and I don't like to clean. Not my favorite, Right. Um, And I I had to spend money on cleaning supplies. Um, The janitor found out about one of them and so, like, gave me some stuff. But, like, they didn't clean the kitchen because that was student property, right? Anyway. um, And so, like, I did that, like, three different times because God told me to do it and he told me, don't tell anybody. Don't even tell your Christian friends. Because had I told them, God knew that I would have been like, someone pat me on the back. I did something so cool. Servanthood. Yay, me. Right? And he knew I would be like, Wanting to get that kind of accolade from my Christian friends, and he's like, "How about you just do it to me? Just do it for me, and nobody else will ever ever know." It's um, a you that I'm now telling, you. but it's a long time ago, so it's fine. Um, and and so I did it, and God taught me a lot through that kind of stuff. And so and and same with paying for people. The, the first many times that I did it, I didn't. I tried to do it in sneaky ways, and and so I would I wouldn't pay for the guy behind me. I'd be like. You see that guy down there in the red jacket? I'm paying for his stuff, but don't tell him. You know, that sort of deal. So that no, so I'd be gone by the time he got there, if that makes sense. And if I wouldn't know how much it was going to be, I'd just like this probably will cover it. Um, so <laughs> exactly, exactly. Put the rest in the We Want tips 2 jar. That's awesome. Did you know the people that you were sending the pizza to? Cool. That's a great idea. It's a great thing to do, especially if you're like, dude, what's up? Not much. I could really go for pizza. Me too. Ding 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 ding. Thirty minutes later, they get pizza. Yeah. Hi. I don't know if I've ever done that one, actually. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. I used to buy pizza for, like, the dorm. Like, when I was in college, I'd just buy, like, three pizzas and be like, everybody have some pizza! Um, But, and again, God was making me use a lot of my money back then on this stuff. It was sacrificial, okay? So this isn't easy. It's not like... Oh, I have extra money this week. Where can I give it? That's great. That's a good place to start. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying eventually God's going to call you up and say, okay, how about you give this money to this missionary? How much do you want me to give God? I want you to give everything in your wallet. That happened to me multiple times where God's like, I want you to give everything you have in your wallet. And it got to the point where at one point I opened up my wallet and I had either seven or eight bucks and that was it. And I'm like, oh, all I have is like seven or eight bucks that's too bad. Like, I, I wish I could give more. Then I was like, I feel like I just grew. Like the Grinch or something like that. Right? Uh, and it was really cool. And I realized that I was actually, you know, getting more like Jesus, which is kind of the whole point. Um, so yeah, generosity is awesome. I, I, I encourage you to, to think about it. Think about your friends. Think about your family. Do awesome stuff for them. Acts of service, yes. But money, too. Do they, do they need you to buy them? Most people aren't cool with like, here's a 20, you know? But like, Buy them something, buy them flowers. Unless it's like your dude roommate, then they might be weirded out. But um, buy them something that they like. Their favorite pies in season. Bring one home for your mom, you know, whatever it is. Spend your money in such a way that you build up eternal rewards. I think that is an awesome thing to do. Anybody have any questions on that? Generosity in general and with your friends. Do you like the idea that God wants you to spend money on your friends and on your family? Isn't that cool? And it also says to gain friends for yourself, which implies that you should also do it to people who are not yet your friends, because to gain means to acquire. So this is a great thing to do with non-Christians, or people who hate you, or people who you hate. And God made me do this with somebody in, in a work situation. And this dude was a jerk, straight up, unequivocal jerk. Everyone thought so. He hated himself almost as much as everyone else hated him, right? And I'm like, God, how do I deal with this guy? Deliver me from my enemies, right? And God's like, I I got it. I got the solution. I'm like, what is it? I want you to buy him this thing. I don't remember what it was. Something to do with a radio, some radio thing. Headphones. His pair of headphones broke. Buy him a pair of headphones. I didn't even have a pair of decent headphones. I'm like, I want one. God's like, no, buy him a pair of headphones, bring it to work, give to him. I'm like, grr. But I did it. And he was like, thanks. like, Sweet. Someone gave me stuff. From Sun Country Airlines. Nice. I'll take it. Thank you. Um, and so I made a friend out of it. Not a great friend, because I didn't end up staying at that job long, because it was just a summer job. But, you know, God might have you use money to buy people off, sort of. Don't think of it like bribery. Think of it like positive reinforcement. But it's true. If you want, like as a parent, OK, I'm a parent now. I have an eight-year-old son. He, he's a boy, and he doesn't always know how to like interact with humans in a way that is beneficial. And, and by that, I mean he'll be hanging out with friends and like not talking to them or picking his nose or or only talking to one and not the other two, or whatever it is. And so I want to help him make friends. And so if friends come over to the house, guess what? We're going to Dairy Queen. And I'm going to buy all his friends ice cream cones so that they're like, Andrew's cool, man. We get ice cream cones. What a cheap way to buy friends for my kids. It's fantastic. If we go to a birthday party, a kid's birthday party, I make sure that he brings a good gift. And this was, I shouldn't say this. This is an area where Sarah and I had a little tension. Because she grew up as a missionary kid, and so most things should be purchased at Goodwill or other secondhand stores for her, right? Because she grew up with, like, hand stuff. So secondhand is, like, awesome. And so I'm like, you can't, you can't buy the friend presents at Goodwill. You just can't. You've got to go get, like, a legit Lego set, or you've got to get whatever. Like, not like the $80 Millennium Falcon, but, like, the $20 or whatever. Yeah. Like, get something legit. Because it matters for him. And I want you know, my kid to have friends, because he needs a little help. Um, so that was a little tension for Sarah and I, who's like, I found this awesome thing. And I'm like, we can't give a used book to an eight or seven year old kid. But my wife is awesome. Don't hear me saying anything else. Yeah. Weeks. Way to go. That's cool. Actually, let's we're going to save the Matthew passage for another time. We're going to just do Luke sixteen. Flip to Luke sixteen. We're already talking about that. Um, Luke 16, starting with verse 9, is the one that we've been talking about, the generosity one. So Matthew 25, which we'll do a Bible study on that another time, that's the parable of the talents. You're probably all familiar with it anyway, right? A guy gets a bunch of talents. A talent is like a giant chunk of money or a treasure chest of money, like literally 20 years' wages. Lots and lots of money. A lifetime's worth of money, essentially. Um, And the ones who used it well got, hey, well done. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who was lazy and wasn't a good steward got some not as fun words. Um, And and here's one of the other places that it talks about similar stuff. So Luke 16, we read verse 9. Verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. That's in the Matthew 25 passage as well. Which also says, Once you are faithful in little, you will be given more, is what it says in Matthew 25. So one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, if you can't prove yourself faithful in money, who's going to trust you with anything that's actually valuable? So can God trust us with the money he's given us? Everything we have belongs to God. He has given us all a certain amount of money, a certain amount of income, a certain amount of stuff. Maybe we have a car, whatever we have. And so he's given us these things. And he's saying, if you can't even be faithful in money, which isn't even a righteous thing. It's just a worldly thing. If you can't even be faithful in that, how can I trust you with true riches? How can I trust you with something that's really important? And this is another aspect of the whole money test thing and the whole stewardship thing is that God uses it as a discipleship test. He uses it to prove whether or not we trust him but also whether or not he can trust us. And in the the Luke version of the parable of the talents, um, actually in the Matthew version too, uh, the people are rewarded not just with money but with authority. You're going to be put in charge over much. You're going to be put in charge over a certain number of cities it says in the Luke version. And so... Authority is something that is earned. Blessing isn't earned. God's love isn't earned. None of that stuff is earned. But authority, spiritual authority, is earned. And we have to prove ourselves to God. And God needs to know that he can trust us. And the more you prove yourself trustworthy in the area of money, the more money he gives you. And that's what the parable of the talents is about. If you're faithful in whatever he's given you right now, today, however much money you have, if you're a good steward in that, he will give you more so that you can be a good steward in more. And if you are a good steward in more, he'll give you more so that you can be a good steward in more. Does that make sense? It's not if you're a good steward in what you have, he'll give you a bunch and now you're rich and you can retire and just spend it all on yourself. Okay? You're still a steward in this life no matter what. That doesn't mean God won't let you buy things for yourself. He absolutely will. Um, but you have to submit it to God. You have to submit everything to God. I've wanted a new TV for several years now, because I like TVs. And I kept saying, God, can I buy this TV? And he'd be like, no, not yet. But I want, no, but we have the money, no. And he was just like, no, 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 no. Um, and then finally, he was like, all right, you can buy your TV. You know, and so Sarah gave it to me for my birthday slash Christmas. Every time I turn on that TV, I thank God for how awesome he is that he let me have this TV. Which, what have I done to deserve this awesome TV? Nothing. Right? But he just loves his kid. Um, 50, 55. Sweet. And so, um, it's great. But I had submitted it to God. I didn't just buy it as soon as I wanted it. Does that make sense? Um, the first time God taught me about that was at Sunshine Music Festival. Sunshine. Sunshine. This, this would have been sun, Sunshine 96, um, before your time uh, And it was my first time hearing about an organization called Compassion International. You guys have probably heard of Compassion. Um, it's one of those like you sponsor a child in a developing nation, right? And I had never heard about this before, the specific group, that you could pay I think, I think at that time it was 19 dollars a month, maybe 23, something like that. Anyway. It was a, it was a, an amount of money a month that was sacrificial for me, so I, I, but I felt like God's like, I want you to sponsor a kid. Through Compassion International, I'm like, sweet, that would be cool, and I looked at the money and everything. I'm like, well, how's that going to work? And God's like, you're going to buy one less CD every month. That's how it's going to work. And I was like, but, but, but I like my music. It brings me closer to you, which is true. Um, and he's like, I know, but I want you to sacrifice one CD every month. And I could probably only afford two anyway. But I want you to sacrifice one of those to sponsor this kid so they can live. Kind of a bigger deal than your music. Um, he, wasn't, he didn't shout or anything like that. But I later thought about it, and I was like, how, how could I have even thought of saying no? That's ridiculous. Um, and, and so God might ask you to sacrifice at some point for somebody. And I, I encourage you to be like, all right, God, I'm willing to do this if you want me to do this. I'll give up my CD a month. I'll give up my TV. I'll give up whatever if that's what you want me to do because it's all God's money and he will test you in big stuff. He'll test you in little stuff. He'll say, give up one CD a month. Well, that's not that big of a deal. He'll say, pay for somebody else's coffee. That's maybe not that big of a deal. He'll say, I want you to give X amount of dollars every month to this ministry or this church or whatever. Well, that's kind of a lot of money. Uh, I don't know about that. you know. And then he says... I want you to get this other job that pays less. Uh, I don't know about that. I want you to go to this school, and tuition is up here, and you were kind of thinking your parents might pay this, and it's like that, which means a lot of loans, which means when you get out, you owe this. And are you going to do it or not? Right? Um, it's, it's good to continue to, to follow what the Lord says and all this stuff. And so, okay, we are still on verse 11. If you haven't been faithful in the unrighteous will, who will entrust you with true riches? It's obviously hinting, nobody, right? Nobody's going to entrust you with anything important. You can't even be trusted with money. Verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Which is part of what I was getting at with the TV thing. Like, God said no, 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 and made me sacrifice, and then he gave me that which was my own, for which I am super thankful, because it's awesome, and I love it. Um, And I'm probably more thankful for it having to wait and having to sacrifice than had he given it to me right away. Um, Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. This is a famous verse, right? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And most of us would never consider ourselves serving money, but a lot of Christians serve money. And they maybe don't even think about it that way. But if Jesus isn't Lord of your life in the area of money, then he's not Lord of your life in every area. He wants to be Lord, right? If something else is Lord than Jesus, that's called idolatry. God frowns upon such, okay? And I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I'm just saying, hey, first commandment, you know? Uh, And so there there was a point, um, I don't know how many years ago, where I realized I was sort of starting to serve money. Not in the sense of, like, I'm being greedy and trying to get as much as I can, but, like, I was making decisions based on the money and not based on what God was saying. I was making decisions based on where's more money, which thing has more money, and I'll do that as opposed to which thing do you want me to do, God? And so I made a decision based on that instead of God, and that's, God called me on it. um, And he's like, because he disciplined me about that. He probably tried to talk to me and I didn't listen. And he disciplined me about it a little bit. God doesn't punish for sin but he does discipline his children, okay? Jesus was punished for all the sin, right? All the sin, every sin, your sin, forever, punished on the cross. So God doesn't punish you punitively for sin anymore, but he does discipline us as children because he loves us and he wants us to get better. Um, and so he did that to me, and, and I was like, whoa, and God's like, you're serving money right now. You have an idol. I was like, no, I don't. You're the number one, man. You know." And God's like, this, 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 and this. Like, he just showed me. Like, you did this. Like, it was like one of those your life flashes before your eyes, except it was just the bad stuff I had been doing recently. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, idolatry. That's like, that's kind of a big one. That's like serious. I was making decisions totally based on the fact that I wanted more money and this stuff would give me more money rather than what his has got me to do. Um, He's like, don't do that. And so, fortunately, obviously, God is very forgiving. He would already paid for all that but he allowed me to be corrected because stewardship is really important to God. Um, So I want you to think about, even right now for a minute, like, can God trust you with money? Is the way you are using your money right now, the way you're thinking about money, is that done in such a way that you are proving to God that he can trust you with money? Or is it maybe partly that way and partly selfish or greedy? Or maybe you've just never really been taught about stewardship and it's just never occurred to you that your stuff belongs to God and that God wants you to submit that to him and be the master over your stuff. And so you've never asked God, how should I spend my money? Because it's never occurred to you. That's okay. There's grace. There's no condemnation here. Okay. But I want you to think about, are you right now using your money in such a way that God is saying, you are proving to me that I can trust you with money. And so I'm going to start giving you more to give you a chance to prove that you trust me in that and that I can trust you. Just, just think. So think about that tonight. Think about it over the next week. I'm not doing like an altar call or anything. Um, but this is a big one. Jesus talks about money all the time. We're going we're to talk about money every, I don't know, three or four months or something like that. Just little snippets, little Bible studies here and there. Because like with everything else in life, we grow over time, right? And so maybe you're at a certain place right now, and a few months from now, maybe before, you know, right after Christmas or something, um, if we talk about it again, you might be in a different place. Maybe you would have seen, yes, I have this money test and I have that one. And I passed this one, and I got like a C-plus maybe on that one. Uh, but I passed this one, and God has proven himself faithful. And then we can talk about that and you can keep going. Does anybody else have any questions on this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good goal. It's good to have goals. Yeah, I'll pray for you after. We uh, Sarah and I give a certain percentage of our income to the Lord, and this year, God, I mentioned earlier, as part of my money test, led us to increase that. But uh, my goal is to eventually be giving like 90% of what we get away. Um, if a tithe is good enough for God, it's good enough for me. Um, we're not there yet, but but I would like to get there, and I think that's a reasonable goal. It's an insane goal, but it's an awesome goal. Did you have a question? Ladies first. a good point. And, and part of that is because um, there's a law that God wove into the universe called sowing and reaping, which is a agrarian metaphor. Like, you sow seed, and then you reap a harvest later. Okay, So if you want corn, you sow corn seeds, and then corn grows up and you got corn. And so there's a principle woven into the fabric of creation that what you sow into, you will reap from. And it's true in good or bad ways. If you sow into negative stuff with your money, your time, your thoughts, you're going to reap negative stuff. Right. Well, the, the concept of karma was stolen. You know, uh, they, they stole it and messed it up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's similar. It's a similar concept. Right. And um, that, that's a truth that they had inherited from Noah's grandson or something uh, about sowing and reaping. And, uh, and, it, and it's true, and it's true no matter what. And so if you give, you will receive. There's, there's that aspect to things. And there, there's some cool stuff about giving related to sowing and reaping, too. Like, for example, if there's something that you really want to be involved in, like um, I really want to see refugees in the Twin Cities uh, come to Jesus. Okay? That's something I really want to see. How many refugees do I hang out with? None. Right? And so what do I do? I sow seeds into that from which I would like to reap a harvest. And so I found ministries in the Twin Cities that are reaching out to Muslims and that are reaching out to refugees. And I gave them my money. Here's a big check. Here's a big check. Here's a big check. Sowing seeds because I want to see that stuff happen. And I would love to be a part of it myself. Now maybe God will allow me to be a part of it, maybe not. But either way I'm sowing seeds into that because that's something that I think God put on my heart and so why wouldn't I give money to something God has given me a passion for um, and at a future date we'll talk about like where to give and, and that sort of thing. We can talk more about um, yeah that kind of stuff Maybe I'll 70 yeah. That was a good question. You win my notes <laughs> for today. Okay, so that is a really good question because that's a rubber meets the road question. Most of that I didn't preach. Um, I got a bill due. Let's say it's due Thursday. Today's Monday. I only got 10 bucks. You said an opportunity comes for you to give. Now, I'll say this. There are plenty of opportunities to give. There are limitless opportunities to give. You cannot give to all of them. So, <coughs> excuse me. stewardship is not about just giving everything away willy-nilly. It's about following the master. And that w- that's the, the passage we'll look at another time in Matthew, where the master has stewards that he gives his money to. So we are a steward, a servant of a master. And so if we want to know how to use the money, we ask the master. Because there are infinite places to give. And there's infinite awesome places to give. I mean, I... I have nowhere near enough money to give to all the awesome ministries and missionaries and all that kind of stuff that I know. Um, And so what do I do? I say, God, where do you want me to give right now? And so if you are sensing that God is saying, I want you to give that guy seven bucks, then you should do it. Even though you'll now be short for your bill. And that's a faith test. That is a money test. Of God saying, are you going to trust me for tomorrow? Are you going to trust me to provide for your needs? Because I promised you that I would. I promised you you wouldn't go hungry. I promised you I would give you what you need. And so if I'm telling you to spend some of my money on that, you have to trust that I know what I'm doing. Does that make sense? I realize that's a tough one. Okay, yeah. So... Try, try to discern if it's really God saying that or not. If you make a mistake, it's, he's going to provide for you anyway. I guarantee it. Now, if you make a mistake over and over and over and over and over, and he's like, quit doing that, dude! And you don't listen, then there might become a point where a bill comes overdue and there's you know, some sort of piper that has to be paid, right? But if you just, like, you're like, oh, I feel like I want to give, I think God wants me to, and you give, God's response is, Sweet. All right. I didn't, I, I didn't tell him to do that, but I love it. I love his heart. I love that he wanted to give. I love that he was trying to obey me. Because remember, we don't serve a stingy, angry God who's like, oh, he screwed up, bam. You know, no. God loves a cheerful giver. Enter into the joy of your master, is what the, the master says at the end of the script. And so if, if it's God's money and God says, test time, I want you to give part of it to here, even though you had in a few days have a bill coming due for this, that's a test. God's saying, are you going to trust me for tomorrow or for Thursday? And if you do it, he'll, he'll come through, one way or another. And it might not be the way you think, <laughs> but somehow he'll come through. And if you make a mistake, I, he'll come through anyway, because he loved it. You can't give God. You can't outgive give God. And so if, even if you made a mistake, gave some stuff away that you weren't supposed to, he's going to be like, well, that was the best mistake I've ever seen. Here you go. I mean, come on. This is a daddy who loves his kids. If Kaylee, my six-year-old, comes up to me in the store, which she's done, it says, I want to get this for Andrew. Because he would love it so much. Why do you want to get it for Andrew? Because he loves this, and he loves this, and this is the perfect thing. And it's something he likes, and she doesn't. She actually wants to make him happy. She actually wants him to have something for not selfish reasons at all. Do you think I'm going to buy that thing? Heck, yes, I am. I am going to buy that thing for her to give to him. Because that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because I want my kids to love each other, and I want them to be generous, and all that kind of stuff. And so, now, now if you're talking big, big stuff, you know, then, you know, you need to use more wisdom and talk to other people. Okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? To help you discern, just like you would any time you think you hear the voice of God and you're not sure. So I'm not saying you should always give all your money away. I'm not saying that. But I am saying you should follow the Lord. And he's done that exact thing to me. I mean, when he first called us to increase what we were giving, we, started, we were giving 10% when we first got married. We had no money. and At the end of every month, we were always in the red. Like, when I did the budget out for next month, we were not going to have enough money. Ever. Ever. And every single month, we had enough money. No matter what. And then God said, Now I want you to give more. And we went, there's literally negative money. Like, there's, where am I going to find that? How am I going to give more? And he's like your choice whether or not you want to do it, but I'm asking you. And so I'm like, you know, stepping off the cliff. And guess what? Did God provide for us? Yes, he did. Every single time. And by doing stuff like that and proving to God that I can be trusted with money, now, instead of writing checks for 40 bucks a month, like we were before because we didn't have any money, now we're building wells in Africa like digging a well so that people can have fresh water and a whole village is saved. We literally did that five times. We built a house for an orphan family and a widow. Like, that's what the gospel is about, right? And we get to do that now, and it's fun. Like when Jesus says, enter into the joy of your master, he's not kidding. Jesus knows what he's talking about. It's fun, be able to say, I helped build a hospital in South Sudan so that people literally are alive. They, didn't, they wouldn't have been alive. Because I was faithful with the 40 bucks to give up my CD a month to do that other stuff, now we get to literally save lives. and It's freaking awesome. Okay. I get emotional about this because this is where it's at. Okay. Anybody else have any questions?